Hey everybody, this is Keith Rainwater on the Designated Drummer Podcast. I'm so glad you could join me this week. And uh, we've had some really great guests in the last uh, few weeks here. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to me talk to whoever I'm talking to and what they have to say and learning things and, you know, talking about cool things about touring and playing drums and God, just about anything having to do with the music business. That's what I'm interested in. And I'm always interested in what, you know, how somebody got started in the business, you know, like uh, what got them into whatever they were doing and what the, what spark what was it that got them started, that epiphany, that moment of discovery of like, wow, I could do this for the rest of my life. And that happened for me when I was young. I was about 13, and I've mentioned this before in a few past podcasts where I just saw a guy playing drums at school, practicing for the school uh, talent show, and just watching that guy play. And he was actually a trombone player, and his name was Danny. And watching him play drums like that, I just thought, if he could do it, I know I could do it, because I always kind of knew I could sort of play a beat and play drums. And that just kind of opened the door for me, and I haven't stopped since. Uh, That moment of wow, that is what I want to do right there. I want to be that guy on stage playing drums, counting off the songs, being the drummer for a band. And that just kind of got me started. And so this week, I thought I would talk a little bit about being prepared because here's the thing. Um, When you first start out playing drums, you, you don't really know anything. I mean, you've taken some lessons and you you're playing drums, or even if you're a great drummer, if you're a good drummer right out of high school or whatever, you have to go out and hit the road, and you have to be in a band, and you have to do your thing. Well, you have to learn the hard way things that pros know and have learned the hard way, you know, in their years and years of playing. And one of the things that I really stress to my students and you know, um, people that I consult with is being prepared. And that there's three main, uh, there's three main areas of being prepared when I think about being prepared. Okay. So there's rehearsal because you're going to have to rehearse. That's the first thing you do when you get in a band or you start a band or whatever you, you, you rehearse and you have to be prepared to go to rehearsal. You can't just go to rehearsal and just kind of willy-nilly sort of wing winging it, you know. You have a, a set list of songs that you're expected to learn and not only just learning, but you want to bring something to the table too. Like, you know, hey, why don't we try this? Or how about if we start the song off like this? You have to have some ideas. So being prepared for rehearsal is really huge. And when I it was in my younger days and I thought I knew everything and I was just pretty confident of myself. I thought I was a great drummer and I was way overconfident and I would come to rehearsal just thinking like, well, I'll just learn, you know, I know what songs we're doing and I would get in there and play and I would sort of think, Oh yeah, there's that one part. I forgot about that. And I just ended up looking like an idiot because everybody else would come knowing their parts and prepared and pra- they practiced the stuff and they learned it and all that, and I was kicking myself, wishing that I had prepared a little bit more, listening to the songs, and so, and in a lot of cases, even 
gosh, I hate to say it, but even like when I got in Lone Star and stuff, uh, we would have a rehearsal and we had songs to learn. I would listen to the songs and I would study up on them and that kind of thing, but I didn't take it as serious as I needed to. And so I was cramming my brain, trying to driving like to rehearsal, listening to these songs like one last time to try and figure out what I was missing, if I was missing anything. I would go there and I wouldn't feel super confident. Until just kind of like, you know, within the last probably 10 years or so, gosh, I've been with Lone Star over 20 years. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been, golly, yeah, it's almost been 30. Well, in 2024, in just a couple of years, it'll be 30 years that I'll be with Lone Star. So, you know, as of about, I guess about 10 years ago, I finally just decided I don't like that that nervous feeling of going to rehearsal and not knowing the material inside and out. I want to go there and be – I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. So I go in there, and I've studied the songs, and I know them. And now when we rehearse, we all are prepared, and we go in there, and we run through the song. And there may be a few little things we want to try or fix or whatever, working up a beginning and working up an ending – but the meat and potatoes of the song is there. Michael knows his part. Robbie knows his part. Dee knows his part. I know my part. Drew knows his part. Everybody gets in there, and it's just like we've been playing it forever, you know, because everybody's prepared. makes a huge difference. And I remember back in my garage band days playing songs and what we would call rehearsing. really wasn't rehearsing. It was more like jamming. And we would sort of fumble in and out of songs, and we didn't really, nobody really took it very seriously. I wanted to, I wanted to have a band and be able to play gigs, and but everybody else just kind of wanted to have fun and jam and that kind of thing. So, um, and cut to you know decades later, now we're actually rehearsing for real, you know, and learning songs and just being mentally prepared for rehearsal is is a huge deal i mean you know it's it's all day kind of thing it's usually it's a lot more than think about this when you play a gig it's only an hour and a half that's that's a pretty long time to play drums i mean full out song after song after song it's a lot of physical activity and i usually burn probably about six to seven hundred or even more calories per show for an hour and a half show uh Sometimes no, I say more than that. Sometimes it's actually around twelve hundred calories. Depends on whether it's outside or depend depends on it. You know, a lot of factors. But that's a lot a lot to be doing physically for a show. So now cut to uh, doing a rehearsal, and that is even harder because that's like hours and hours. That's a whole entire day. Now, it's not playing solid. It's not playing all the time. But then there is a time when you're working up the show or whatever, and you have to run the whole show, like, uh, usually a couple of times. That That's a lot to do in one day. So you have to be mentally prepared for that, for that physical aspect of playing drums all day long and being mentally prepared for all the songs that you have to learn, whether you're writing it out on a piece of paper or whatever. Um being mentally prepared for a for not only just a gig but for rehearsal is a big deal. Okay, so the next thing um, is a gig. To you prepare yourself for the gig. Um, to be prepared for a gig, that there's a lot of aspects to that. Um, you know, knowing the songs, um, making sure that you've had something to eat and you're not just 
dog tired, you know, and hungry and on an empty stomach. Now, I personally play better on a kind of an empty stomach. Now, I have a good lunch during the day, but I don't usually eat my dinner until after the show. And sometimes the shows are late, like 10, 11. This last weekend, we played a show at 11.30 p.m. We didn't come off stage until 1 o'clock in the morning, and I was just having my dinner then. So I was pretty hungry then. But um, I just find it hard to perform, play drums for an hour and a half with the kind of energy that I want to play with on any kind of a full stomach. I just can't do it. I can't bend my body in half and sit at that drum stool and play like that on after I've just eaten, even an hour or two before the show. It has to be uh, kind of like at least four hours or more before the show, before I will feel right, you know. So anyway, uh, that's one of my things that I do. I prepare for the show. Now, I do have a cup of coffee before I go on. It gives me that little bit of a caffeine buzz, and that helps me, and it has helped me for years and years. That's just kind of one of the things I do. Kind of gets me going, gets me a little caffeine buzz, and just one cup of coffee won't keep me up all night. If we're doing a late show, it won't keep me up till five in the morning or whatever. By the time I'm done playing and I have a little bit of dinner, I'm usually pretty tired and ready to ready to hit the sack. But being prepared mentally and physically in every way for the gig, and that's there's a lot goes into that. You know, uh, one of the things I do before the show also is I warm up. I do rudiments backstage every single show um after the meet and greet if there is a meet and greet after the meet and greet i go in somewhere and my drum tech um will chase he'll have me um chase is a great drum tech i like him he's he's kind of new to us but uh he's a great guy and he takes care of me and uh i can't say enough good things about chase but he sets me up back there backstage somewhere my practice pad on top of a case or something where it's about waist high and I'll warm up rudiments, and I do that. That's one of the things I do to prepare for the gig because I'm getting up there in age now. I'll be 60 this next year, and muscles, as you get older, they kind of start to get sore more frequently. They're not the same as when you're 20. And um, one of the things that I just like to do before the show is warm up my muscles and stretch them a little bit, stretch my wrist muscles a little bit, and warm up. It just makes me play better. It makes me feel better. It's just one of those things that's on my little bucket list of things to do to prepare for a gig so i enjoy doing that uh, warming up a little bit um just you know wearing another wearing clothes you know th- that are good for playing drums like short sleeve shirts things like that that's another thing that you do to prepare for the gig is you wear the appropriate clothing or the right kind of shoes that kind of thing i just don't want to be caught off guard wearing like a long sleeve shirt that's not comfortable to play in or that's too hot or that I can't um, bend my uh, elbow, like I can't bend my shoulders forward. If it's a long sleeve shirt that doesn't stretch, sometimes playing and reaching for the cymbals can cause me to, you know, feel the shirt pulling a certain way. And it's just kind of restricting feeling. So I try to wear things that are a little bit more comfortable for playing drums and that kind of thing. That's just one other thing I do to prepare for the gig. Um, I drink a lot of water before the show because I know I'm going to, it's going to be a sweaty, I'm going to sweat. It's like, it's like a workout for me. So I drink a lot of water so I don't get real super thirsty. And of course, Chase has a couple of Gatorades back there for me. That's great. Um, One of the other things I do before a gig is we, you know, we talk about the set list before, especially if it's a new show, 
or anything that we've done different. Like, let's say, for instance, you look down there and you see uh, on the Google Calendar or whatever, and you notice that instead of a 90-minute show tonight, it's a 75-minute show. Okay, that there's some different things in there that you need to be prepared for as a drummer, as a band, let's say. Um, the set list going from song to song, there are certain needs that need to be met. Michael, our guitar player, he needs to switch guitars. Or uh, Dean or Drew might need to say something before the to pre-sell the, um, our new album that's coming out, our new album called 10 to 1. Sometimes we need to pre-sell that, and so I have to pause, and we have to figure out, okay, am I pausing here? And if we change the order of the songs, it's kind of, there's some things that, it's kind of a heads-up type thing. So we usually talk a little bit about that, about any changes or anything that might be different, just so everybody's on the same page. It's the really bad feeling to be up out there on stage and you've forgotten that, oh yeah, it's a 75-minute show, I've, we're doing this song next, and uh, that's different. I have to change this guitar, or I have to uh, do this different, or whatever. Sometimes just having a little bit of a heads up before the show is always good, and we'll just kind of do a little powwow before I go warm up after the meet and greet, talk about any changes, anything that we need to do to make it a 75-minute show instead of a full hour-and-a-half show. Um, uh, you know, and another thing about being uh, prepared for a show is to be early. I hate the feeling of showing up somewhere to a gig or being on the bus or whatever and then just walking in and and just, you know, okay, start playing. I have to be early. I just, I think I learned from Paul Lyme a long time ago. Uh, he said, if you're not early, you're late. And that can be, that could be anything to rehearsal, to a gig, to playing in the studio. Which brings me to my next um, little bit of preparedness, and that is playing in the studio. That's a whole nother, um, you know, a whole nother avenue of being prepared for sure. Um, one of the things is, uh, I will say, is if you know what you're going to be recording. Now, if you're a seasoned drummer and you, like someone like Paul Lyme or, uh, you know, Eddie Bears or someone like that, uh, Jeff Percaro, the late Jeff Percaro was great, uh, studio drummer. Those guys could probably walk into just about any gig and they'll say, okay, we're playing this style or this song's going to be in this style. Or we're going to do these songs today. And they're all different kinds of styles. So they can just pick it up on the fly like that and go, oh, yeah, I'll do that. But for me, I like to be prepared ahead of time a little bit more to know what we're recording, to know, get my mind in the right gear to think about what I'm going to be doing. And I'll give an example. I was up in Canada, uh, probably, well, this was before COVID. This was before COVID hit. And uh, I was doing some session work up there. I would go visit my daughter up in Toronto. She lives in Canada. She's half Canadian and half U.S., half American, and that's very awesome. But she lives up in Toronto, and I go up to visit her very frequently, usually about once a month. Uh, whenever we have a few days off or a week off or a weekend off or anything like that, I'll go up there. And sometimes there's a little studio up there in Oakville, Ontario, and I will try to do some session work up there. I'll let them know that I'm coming. And one time, uh, just before COVID, so it was 2019, I think, they contacted me and said, we have um, a reggae artist that needs some drums. And so I had to, I thought, well, okay, what can I do to prepare for that? So I listened to a bunch of Bob Marley 
and things like that. I just listened to a bunch of uh, really good reggae mixes and reggae styles and things like that on YouTube and really got my mind in gear for what I was going to play. So when I went in there to play this reggae, I already was in the reggae spirit. I mean, I knew what I was going to play. Um, I knew the style and some of the licks that I was going to do. And that was just another, if I hadn't done that, it probably would have, I don't, I can't say that it would have turned out the same way. It probably would have been reggae-ish, but not definitely the intensity of the reggae experience that I hope that I put across when I did that session. But that was my first reggae session I did. And I have since then done another reggae session. Somebody wanted some music for a podcast um, and they wanted it to kind of have a reggae feel to it. So I'm like, ah, I, I, I've done that before. I have, I actually have experience playing reggae in the studio. So um, I was able to draw from that experience and add to that. But um, to go back to talking about being prepared in the studio, that's one thing that you can definitely do is do a little research ahead of time if you know, if you do know what kind of songs you're going to be playing or if there's a demo of the song or if there's anything, any kind of indication that you can get of what style it's going to be or what, um, you know, if there's going to be like a breakdown or any, you know, at least get the tempo of the songs if you can, the feel. What A lot of times people will name a song or they'll have a demo of a song and they'll sort of name another song that it sounds like you know they'll say uh oh this kind of sounds like brooks and dunn like a fast brooks and dunn like um hard working man or something you know what i mean they'll have a little reference of what so you go and you listen to hard working man and you try and get the essence of that the flavor of that song as far as your part where drums are whatever you're playing, drums, bass, guitar, whatever, but I'm just more specifically on drums. You go and listen to a bunch of Lonnie Wilson who played on a lot of that early Brooks and Dunn stuff, um, and you get an idea of what that's going to sound like, what you're going to be playing. So that's one way that you can definitely prepare. Another thing that I've learned over the years is not really learned the hard way because when I go in there, I'm super humble playing with some of these session guys, you know, that are been around town. And, uh, but I noticed that everybody has, there's no ego. It's, it's like everybody is super, super open-minded and open to ideas and changes and even change in style of a song. If somebody says, you know, I think this thing needs to be this style here. It needs to be more up-tempo than this slow thing. Everybody's willing to switch gears, and everybody is there to work and there to serve the song, let's say. That's kind of what you're doing in the studio, is you need to mentally prepare yourself for serving that song and the artist. And like, what does this thing need? What What's expected of me, and where does my head need to be? And one of the things that really helps me a lot is just to remember to stay humble and open-minded and keep your head in the game and concentrate and just be into it the whole time. And that means getting a lot of rest and not being super tired, uh, getting up and stretching, whatever you need to do, because that's also very physically demanding. Playing in the studio is really kind of, I mean, it depends on the session, but sometimes they can call you for, hey, we just need you to come in from 10 to 2, and you're done. But usually when you're working on a record or something like that, it's, you know, it's a whole day. It's all day of playing, 
drums, and that's very physically demanding. And your brain can start to fade a little bit by the end of the day. So trying to keep yourself mentally uh, prepared for all that, you know. So that's another way you can be prepared in the studio. Um, think about the styles. Um, think about uh, keeping on top of everything, playing perfect all the time, you know, just trying, because that's one thing you're going to have to do in the studio is if the song calls for it. Now, there may be a type of music that where the playing is a little more relaxed, a little more, I've heard some styles of music that are great, like the Rolling Stones and things like that, that where the feel is kind of loose. And if that's the thing, you just got to prepare for it and keep an open mind and, and do all that. Uh, so I'm going to go back to talking about being prepared as a drummer, sort of on the road and being a road drummer, hitting the road and what you need to take with you and being prepared for a lot of these things, uh, gigs and things might break. Um, you might lose things. Things may disappear, like bringing an extra drum key. Um, and I will make a little list of a toolkit that, that I'm can recommend for drummers to put together in kind of a little tool bag or a little backpack or something that will really help you get along out there when there's not a music store open and you have to fix something in between sets or right before you go on something breaks you got to be able to fix stuff you got to be kind of good at that stuff and i have learned over the years to bring at least these things with me okay number one is uh an extra drum key okay bring that because you can lose those so easy and if you don't have a drum key you can't tune the drums if one gets like severely out of tune or in a lot of cases some of the hardware that you're playing on is dependent on a drum key in other words it you you tighten things and loosen things with a drum key in a lot of cases certain hardware so you'll find yourself using a drum key on hardware as much as the drums themselves so bring an extra drum key I bring also duct tape, a little bit of stage tape, not really duct tape, not the the kind of duct tape, the gray duct tape that you buy at the hardware store. That stuff is nasty. I mean, that stuff is the it sticks to everything. And if you duct tape something and then let's say 3 months later you are getting around to fixing it or whatever and you try to take that duct tape off, it is, you are going to have to have some goo gone and some alcohol and some kind of solvent or something to get that stuff off. I still, to this day, have some hardware, some cymbal stands or something in an old hardware case that still, to this day, decades ago, still to this day have duct tape residue on them. So it's better to use some kind of professional stage tape, which is usually black. It's usually black in color. And it's more of a cloth tape, and it, it's not as sticky. It doesn't leave a residue like the other stuff. So get some of that. You're, you'll be using that a lot, not just for holding things together, but also for muffling drums or for just about anything. Also, a can of WD-40. That's good to have. That's good stuff to have because um, you may have a pedal that squeaks or something like that. Or, like I said, there may be some tape residue on something or some, or whatever. Electrician's tape can be really sticky too and a lot of people drum techs and audio people they like to use electrician's tape because it's color it has different colors you can color code things but that stuff is really sticky and hard to get off so some wd-40 is good to have a little small can just kind of packed away maybe in a ziploc bag or something in your little tool bag um also some metal wire 
just a little bit of wire will help in case you need to, you know, wire something together. You just never know. And a snare uh, string, the snare strings could break on your snare drum that holds the snare up and you need something to hold that up. So some, usually some metal wire will solve a few problems. I've, I've fixed a lot of things with metal wire before. Um, extra cymbal felts, that's just something, you know, you should have anyway. You know, it's not an emergency, but if uh, you do lose some cymbal felts or they get smashed or you know, torn apart or whatever, it's good to have some extra cymbal felts. Um, especially if you're playing in the studio and you notice that one of your cymbals is kind of making some noise right around where it attaches to the cymbal stand, uh, some extra felts would definitely help you keep it a little quieter, hopefully. Um, an extra snare. Uh, an extra snare, like the strainer at the bottom that, that makes the snare sound, bring an extra one of those because sometimes they break and it's just good to have an extra one. Uh, uh, the top head and the bottom head of your snare to bring an extra set of those as well as an extra snare, just to bring an extra snare and an extra kick pedal. Those two things are very important to have and I personally could not do a gig without a spare pedal and a spare snare. Because those are the two things that will go south first, a kick pedal and a snare. Any part of the snare, the bottom of the part of the snare, the top. I've had, we did a gig one time in Dallas back when No News was out and the radio station, I think it was Young Country or somebody had put on this huge concert in Dallas and we had, this was a fly date because we had some other gig somewhere and we had to fly. I think it was, we came from an award show or something like the CMA awards or the ACM awards. We had to fly in and do this show in Dallas and there was a rental kit. It was a backline rental kit. They did not have, I didn't ask for a spare snare. I didn't know. I guess I did. It was kind of a last minute thing, but I normally ask for a spare snare or have one with me or something like that, but did not have anything. It just had one snare and that's the bottom of that snare busted and when you get a rental kit, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, um, says Forrest Gump. So it's very much like that, you know, when you have a rental kit. And usually they're pretty good, but you just never know what's going on with that rental kit. If it's if the bottom head has a little hole in it or if it was um, severely beaten the last gig or whatever, that the uh, people who rented it. So that snare in that Dallas gig the bottom part of the snare had busted and the, I had no other snare that was it so the rest of the whole rest of the show which was I think it busted about halfway through the show the whole rest of the show instead of the snare sound it was more of a thunk like a boom sound instead of the snare there was nothing I could do I didn't have a spare I didn't have another head I couldn't change anything even if I had had another bottom head to put on that snare it still I couldn't have done it. I wouldn't have had time to take the snares off. As, as you know, if you're a drummer, you know that changing a bottom snare head is a lot more time-consuming than changing the top one because you have to take the snares off and you have to put the new head on and then you have to put the snares back on. It, it takes a little... It, it could take 10 minutes or so. And in a you know hour and a half show, that's a long time, so forget it. You're just going to have to... The sound man's just going to have to deal with a thonky sound and snare you know that's all i could do and i was praying for songs like tequila talking where i could hit the side stick you know where there was a lot of side stick at least, you know at least i can hit the stick and it sounds kind of like a snare um anyway so 
I wish so bad that I had been a little bit more prepared and had a spare snare with me, which I could have just changed out in just a second or so. I could have changed it out in the middle of a song if I wanted to. If I had somebody to, to hand it to me, I could have. But usually I keep it down by my right side, down by my floor tom. There's a spare snare there and a spare kick pedal. So if any one of those two things go out. Now, if a tom breaks, a first tom, second, or floor tom, it doesn't matter because I, as long as I have kick and snare and hat and all that stuff, even if a hi-hat breaks, I can still play on the ride cymbal if I needed to and do a kick and snare. But if the kick and the snare go out, you're kind of you're kind of screwed, you know, because that's the meat and potatoes of the song and you need those two things. So to keep a good uh, kick drum pedal and a good snare spare on the side, that's being totally prepared. And that's part of my subject. This podcast is being prepared. And, um, you know, uh, I also want to talk about being prepared not just for the gig, but also traveling. Um, when you travel, it's easy to leave things behind and be sort of stuck out there, like your cell phone charger, your um, your shampoo. Sometimes I've, I'll forget to grab my um, shampoo and conditioner out of my shower, put it in my bag and pack, and then I get to the gig and have to use that cruddy hotel stuff, you know, which I don't like doing. But um, anyway, so this being prepared when you pack. And another thing is that I learned the hard way is that when you're traveling and doing shows and that kind of thing, sound check during the day, um, it's easy to not bring enough socks and underwear because I'll, I'll think, how many gigs are we doing? We're doing three gigs this weekend. Okay, I'll bring double the amount of socks and underwear, so I'll have at least like two pair a day. And then... It just seems like there's always that extra shower or whatever, or something happens where I sort of run out of clean socks and underwear. So I have learned to, it sounds strange, but I've learned to bring way more socks and underwear than I know that I'll need. And it just gives me that feeling of confidence, like, okay, I'm not going to run out of anything. You know, I have plenty of socks and underwear. I'm good. Um, Even things like bringing an extra outfit, because if you're out there on the road and an extra gig comes up or something, a rip or something happens in one of your pairs of jeans or something like that, at least you have a whole nother outfit that you could wear. And that's just being prepared. Um, like I said, bring in your cell phone charger. Um, just, you know, just things like that. Thing, um, your computer charger. I don't know how many times I've left the house with my computer in my bag and all that and I get to the hotel and I need to get up check email and stuff like that and I'll look for my computer cord and I lo and behold I've left it at home on my desk and I forgot to unplug it and roll it up and put it in my bag so I only have as much battery power as my computer can stand for the whole rest of the weekend you know and I have to either have to borrow one from somebody or something so and I was just wishing that I had remembered that I had been a little bit more prepared than, you know, than I, than I would have been. So that's definitely one thing is I always do like a double idiot check. Um, not only when I leave the house, but every night that I check out of the hotel room, I try to get, make sure I have, I'm not leaving anything behind because that's so easy. I don't know how many musicians out there have, and, you know, hot- hotels have these lost and found boxes, which I've learned that if I leave my 
iPhone charger at home for some reason, or it goes bad or um, whatever, if I've left it on the bus and I'm at the hotel and the bus is at the venue and I need to charge my phone, sometimes you can go to the front desk and they'll have one that somebody else left. So I've done that before and had success. But um, there has been so many musicians that have left their chargers and their their watch or whatever because they didn't do like what I call the double idiot check before you check out of the hotel room, walking through and going, okay, is everything plugged in? Did I get everything? Is everything packed? Okay. Um, so things like that, just to be prepared. Um, so, yeah, um, I think that's just about covers it. Uh, so I always plan to – I wanted to say that uh, for packing, uh, one other thing is I always plan to pack – Start packing about a half a day before I'm supposed to leave. Let's say if the bus is leaving out that night at 10 p.m. to drive to the next gig, sort of an all-night drive. I'll start doing laundry and packing and thinking about packing everything up early that day. So at least a half a day before I'm supposed to either fly or bus or whatever, just to be a little bit more prepared. Because if you're in a hurry, you're trying to get things together. You're going to leave some things behind or you're going to – your laundry's going to be not dry all the way or something because it's like, oh, i got to do laundry before I go. So just being prepared is super awesome if you can think about that, being prepared for, you know, um, playing – for practice, for, you know, rehearsal and for your gig and for traveling and for playing in the studio. It's just – it. You'll be so much happier if you are prepared as a drummer. And on top of it, like I said, you're either part of the solution or part of the problem. And I always am trying to be part of the solution as much as I can. And it's taken me, you know, this is my 40th year as a professional drummer. And it's taken me a lot of that time to figure that stuff out and be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And that's the kind of drummer I want you to be. If you're a drummer or if you're a musician that is listening to this, and uh, if you could take anything away from this, it says think about what I said and be just try to think about being prepared for every situation you can possibly be in. And um, that's all I've got to say about that. I appreciate everybody listening to my podcast. I know this is kind of a short one. This is only about 30 minutes or so. But I won't bore you with any more be prepared stuff. But, you know, I was a Boy Scout. When I was about 13, I was a Boy Scout, and the one of the big Boy Scout mottos is to be prepared. And uh, I took that to heart when I started learning how to be a professional drummer, and I tried to be prepared as much as I could. And I remembered the lessons that I learned from Boy Scouts about being prepared, and hopefully, you know, it helped me through the years. I have had to fix and repair and make so many things out on the road over the years that I've been sort of dubbed as the MacGyver of the band because whatever breaks now I won't talk I won't say anything electronic like a mixer or anything that needs soldering or anything like that not that more physical more like mechanical things uh, that have to do with metal or wood or whatever I'm good at fixing those things I remember one time that I um, had to think on my feet. I was playing a gig. This is one of my favorite stories about being prepared, or at least thinking of how to fix something. Um, I was playing a gig, and 
it was in five sets a night kind of gig. We had still another two sets to go or so, and I busted a kick drum head. The head busted through a crack right down the middle of it. So I couldn't, I had no kick drum. I mean, I could, there was nothing I could do. I could stick a bunch of tape on there, which I've seen some guys do, but that only lasts about a song or two before the tape actually will, you'll wear through the the tape, the outer part of the tape, and then your beater will stick to, now if any drummers out there have experienced this, you'll you'll agree with me, your your beater will stick to the sticky part of the tape. It'll it'll wear itself through the the non-sticky part and it'll get to the sticky part and then all of a sudden you hit one drum hit, uh, bass drum hit, and your pedal won't come back. It'll be stuck, it'll stick itself to there. And that's very, very uncomfortable to try and play when your kick drum pedal won't return. So what I did was I looked at my floor tom, and this was during a break, like, you know, that busted, and luckily it busted like on one of the last songs before that break. And I looked over, and I saw that I had my floor tom sitting there, and I thought, I had a roll of duct tape, and I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the bottom head off of the floor tom, so I still have a floor tom. I can still hit it, and it still sounds like a floor tom. I'll take the bottom head off the floor tom, and I turned it around backwards onto the kick drum head to where when I hit it, I was hitting it flat against the drum. Now, if I turned it normal, like like with the top part that you hit um, up, it would have had a gap. It would have, because of the way the rim fits on there, it would have had a gap between where I hit it and where the kick drum, the broken kick drum head was. So I flipped it around backwards to where it fit flush against the kick drum head that was broken. And I duct taped it at the top and the bottom to where the beater of the kick drum kick drum beater was not hitting the tape at all. It was just hitting the underside of the floor tom head, the bottom floor tom head. And so I thought, well, okay, that's going to have to get me through. At least I'm hitting a drum head. And it may be loose and it may be, I can't tighten it any, but at least I'm hitting something and it goes thud, you know, and, and the kick drum pedal returns. So... I played that next set like that and didn't really say anything. I just kept playing. Well, the sound man had come up to me after that show, after that that set, and he said, dude, what did you do to your kick drum? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I said, I busted. It's a busted kick drum head. It busted clear all the way through across. And I told him what I did. I said, so I took the floor tom head, bottom head off, and I duct taped it on there backwards and I'm just hitting the underside of the floor tom head and he said dude it sounds amazing he said I can't believe what a difference it's making in the sound of he goes I wish you'd play it like that all the time so uh anyway I, needless to say I did get a new kick drum and I replaced it the next day but I never forgot that I never forgot that uh a a sort of on the fly solution to fix a problem a dire, like, I've got to have a kick drum to play for this last couple of sets that we have to do. And what am I going to do? And knowing that I couldn't just use tape, I couldn't just tape that head back on because I'd be hitting the tape and it would stick. So I just came up with what I thought would work, and it ended up sounding better than the original. So you just never know. But the fact that I was prepared, I had some tape, and I had um, a thought about how to do it, you know, and I really had never thought about that before that I totally made that up on the fly, thinking about what could I put on there that would that's tough enough for the 
you know, for the beater to hit, um, I thought about, you know, taking a pair of scissors from somewhere and cutting out part of it, like a drum head or something that I'm not going to use and taping it on there. Then I thought, well, I don't have to cut it out. I just take the drum head off the bottom of the floor top and stick it on there. So anyway, that worked out really good. And, uh, you know, just uh, being prepared like that and thinking about how to fix stuff and getting good at fixing things is always a plus. So um, I just hope everybody out there has learned a little bit from this, and especially if you're a drummer, hopefully this will give you a little bit of an insight of what it's like being a professional drummer out on the road and being prepared for that mentally and physically uh, based on my experience, basically. I'm sure everybody's different, but that's just my experience and what I have learned over the years of the best way to be prepared for traveling, uh, gigging, playing live, playing in the studio, um, and, you know, rehearsal, getting prepared for rehearsal. There's a lot that goes into that. And I think that the outcome for all of those things could definitely be better if you were more, you know, better prepared. So, I mean, I, I know that goes without saying, but I can't state it enough to be super prepared for every situation like that. It will make you a better drummer. It'll make you a better musician and a better person. Everybody will like you because you have solved a lot of the problems and you are the solution. You're a great drummer and you are prepared and there's nothing like having a great rehearsal and learning the songs and everybody's come to the rehearsal prepared or to the gig prepared and everybody has a good gig. Nobody has a bad day. Um, and everything comes off good. And that's what my hope is for you out there listening, that you'll be prepared for your next trip or your next gig or your next rehearsal or your next studio session. And um, I hope that you guys are learning a lot from my podcast and I really appreciate you listening to me ramble and talk about crazy things like this and uh, hopefully i'll see you next time on designated drummer take care play hard practice hard and we'll see you next time <laughs>